Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today. Oh, there is no tomorrow. The college football playoff is here. Four teams, one national championship. Welcome to College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci going to take you through all of today's action straight through January 1st. It doesn't get better than this. Rich, I mean, we saw some, I want to say, blowouts in the early part of the bowl season, but we're starting to get closer now. Games are more competitive, and you watch that game last night in the Alamo Bowl, Washington State with a narrow victory over Iowa State. It sets the stage of possibly some great games today. Yeah, Baylor-Vandy was another great game. I mean, we've seen some outstanding performances, some gritty efforts. I I thought Baylor and Charlie Brewer were fantastic two nights ago in the Alamo Bowl. Vandy ahead for most of the game. Baylor rallies back four times. Brewer over 400 yards of total offense. And then last night, Washington State, which has struggled in the postseason. Mike Leach has not been a good bowl coach. Washington State, 11 wins for the first time in school history. So we're starting to build to that crescendo. And now we have these two playoff games. I couldn't be more excited. And if you're a team like Oklahoma, you're looking at the the performances in the Big 12. You saw TCU get the victory in overtime over Cal. Baylor over a solid Vanderbilt team. And Iowa State push one of the top teams in the Pac-12 to the limit yesterday. So you have to be feeling good about your chances a little bit later in the Orange Bowl. It's a fascinating matchup, Joe. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at this game in Miami. Coaching matchup, Lincoln Riley, one of the hottest young coaches at any level, whether we're talking college or pro, against Nick Saban. Uh, You have the top two Heisman contenders in Tua versus Kyler Murray. Maybe maybe the best quarterback matchup that we've seen in in the college football playoff era. The offense of Oklahoma, historically good against that Alabama defense. Uh, it's a game that that I I think Alabama wins, but Oklahoma's going to score. The question's going to become... Which of these defenses can can get off the field? That's really what it's going to come. Who can force a punt in the Orange Bowl? And, and when you look at Oklahoma's defense as a whole, this is a defense that's giving up 156 rushing yards per game. They're giving up 291 through the air. And after Mike Stoops was let go, this defense seemed to get worse as the season progressed. They're negative two in turnover margin as well. But more importantly, Rich, allowing 45% on third down conversions to opposing offenses, if they can can't force three and outs against Tua or Jalen Hurts. Going to be a long day for that Oklahoma defense. Yeah, I I don't see where the stops come. I I mean, this is going to be one of those efforts, Joe, where you know, of three and outs aren't going to happen. You're going to need turnovers. And, and Oklahoma showed against West Virginia in that 59-56 to 56 win that they have the ability to force takeaways, even had a touchdown defensively. That's what this defense is going to need to do because if Tua's ankle is healthy with the weapons that he has, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell on the outside, Irv Smith at tight end, the trio of running backs, all of whom I think will play in the NFL, Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, Najee Harris, I don't think I just don't see the formula in which they stop Alabama. Tua, you know, struggled in Georgia. We have short memories. Struggled against Georgia in the SEC title game. But if you go back further in the in the season, in terms of making reads, making progressions, precision passing, downfield passing, no one was better. I think he picks apart this defense, which means it comes down to Kyler Murray. Can Kyler Murray hoist this Oklahoma team on his shoulders and outscore the Alabama offense? And he may have to do it, Joe, without his best weapon in Marquise Brown, who may not play. And if he does play, 
probably isn't going to be close to 100%. And I think the way you have to attack Alabama, as we've seen now from certain teams like Clemson, is attack them vertically on seam patterns, dig patterns, the way Jake Fromm and that offense did in the SEC championship game and the national championship game last year. If you're going to run short hitches or slam patterns, that goes right into Alabama's strength as a defensive unit. And I think when you look at Oklahoma as well, I go back to that national, uh, the national semifinal game in the Rose Bowl last year. They started fast, but in the second half, Riley was outcoached. If they start slow in this ballgame, that's a recipe for disaster because if their defense can't get three and outs, then they're back on the field at lim- longer periods of time, and that's that really favors the uh, Alabama offensive line in that type of scenario. Now, when I broke down these games in terms of the four opponents uh, that will play in the college football playoff, you look at Alabama's 13 wins this year. It came against opponents with a combined overall record of five. 144%. You look at Oklahoma's 12 wins on the year, it only came against opponents with a combined overall record of 529%. And when you look at their margin of victory on the road or on a neutral field site, they played down to the level of competition, winning their, those five games by only 11 points per game. And that's why I think Alabama, in my opinion, really walks away with this matchup dominating. I think they win this ballgame 17 to 20 points in this ballgame. I'm in the same sort of area. I, I think this is about a three-touchdown victory. I think Alabama gets north of 50. Yeah, I do. Uh, Oklahoma could, you know, maybe hit like 31. I, I see a 52-31 type of a game. I, I'm not going to go as far as saying it will look like Auburn's offense against Purdue yesterday, but Amazing. I think it could be close. Where I, I don't want to get too far right, off topic right. on the Orange Bowl, but where was that offense all year? <laughs> I mean, you know, Gus Malzahn loses his offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsey, takes over play calling, and all of a sudden, it looks like Cam Newton's and, back uh, at Auburn. And, and it's Stidham, crazy. Stidham wasn't even supposed to technically play. Yeah. Remember, he, he sort of indicated that he didn't want to play in that right. bowl game. We didn't know. 373 yards later and five touchdown passes. He's, he's looking like a first-round pick. Yeah, all this of a sudden. I, I, this year's he, was, he was on target throughout. They were unstoppable. My thoughts were, where was the offense of Auburn all year long, number one? And number two, if Ohio State had any kind of a case for the playoff before yesterday, they didn't yesterday because that was a that was a Purdue team they lost by twenty nine points though. <laughs> so you know that was insane. But my my point is, I think Alabama might move almost as easily on the Oklahoma offense as Auburn did against Purdue yesterday in the Music City Bowl. I, I think it could be that kind of and and defensively. Kyler Murray's fantastic. He's been otherworldly. I think he deserved the Heisman, the most exciting player in college football. Can't wait to see him in this game. But he has not faced a defense that is even close to as talented as Alabama's players like Quinn and Williams. Now, I, I think you mocked Oklahoma's offensive line just a little bit last week, I maybe know. that they were just a wee bit overrated based on the competition. I want to see that unit, that veteran physical unit, up against a Quinn and Williams, a Raquan Davis, an Isaiah Bugs, those linebackers like Mac Wilson, Dylan Moses, Anthony Jennings. The secondary might be vulnerable, but again, You brought up a great point, right? It's those seams where you could possibly exploit the Alabama defense. What did did Georgia do in the SEC title game? It was Isaac Nauta. So Grant Calcaterra, if you're looking for a weapon for Oklahoma, he's the guy who might be more dangerous than the wide receivers. And if you're looking at a weakness, I guess, for Alabama's defense, it is the secondary. Because over the last few years now, they've had, I want to say, a captain, another coach in the secondary with a guy like Minkah Fitzpatrick. You see Eddie Jackson now stepping up for Chicago. What a main type of player he was for that secondary. We see guys like Savion Smith. We see Sertain. They're great players, but I, I, I don't know if they have the type of uh, game yeah. type of experience in terms of being that captain on the field to, <clears throat> to really coach these guys up if things go awry in the first half of this ballgame with a mobile quarterback of Kyler Murray. So I think that's the game plan if you're Oklahoma. You want to attack that secondary early and often to make them think and read coverage and read formation in this ballgame. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, there's a lot of potential in that secondary, but they're young. Deontay Thompson, I think one of the better safeties in the country, but he lacks experience as well. But again, I'll go back to those receivers. I don't think Marquise Brown is 100%. That's putting a lot of pressure on CeeDee Lamb, 
the other Oklahoma wide receiver. Both of those receivers averaged over 18 yards per reception this year. It's a lot of pressure on CeeDee Lamb. And then down the seam, Grant Calcaterra. I don't think they run the ball. I like the backs. I know you do too. We talked a lot about Kennedy Brooks during the season. Trey Sermon, it's a good one-two punch. I don't think they're going to have much success on the ground unless you're talking about design runs for Kyler Murray. Quickly going back to the Oklahoma defense. No defense during the uh, college football playoff era has ever allowed more points per game than this Oklahoma unit, 32.4 points per game. And and again, we all have short memories, but this Alabama offense for a time prior to Atlanta, prior to early December, was completely unstoppable. Nobody was stopping that offense. They were a given for north of 50 points. I think that's what we see today. I I said it maybe a month ago with Marshall Falk when he was with us. I, I, I think... Kyler Murray will have to have a Vince Young, Deshaun Watson type of a game for Oklahoma to, to win. He's capable. I just don't think it happens against this opponent. I think it's high scoring, though. I don't sure. Whoever wins this ballgame. Now, the total in this matchup opened at around 80 and a half. It's down to 78. But you're talking about two offenses in Alabama converting 52% of their third down conversions. You have Oklahoma converting 51% of their third down conversions. But they have playmakers. We see Alabama. I think they can run it. They can pass it. So I don't think that's a concern in terms of points being scored here. When I look at Alabama's defense, not the same dominant defense that we've seen. They're only giving up around 117 rushing yards per game. They are, though, plus eight in turnover margin. If you're going to win these big ball games, you need to force turnovers and, more importantly, be able to break tendency. And that's what Alabama does better than anybody in terms of game planning. So I think that's where I give the edge to Alabama. And I think if they jump up early, like they do in each and every game, It's lights out. Now, the only way I think Oklahoma does have a chance is if they start fast, put the pressure on Tua or Jalen Hurts, whoever's going to wind up playing most of this game, and then force them to match them score for score. I just think it's going to be a long day. I I think it's – I I agree with that. I put the score at 56-31. to Alabama runs away with this matchup. Yeah, which would mean Alabama and the over. I would agree with both of those. The one thing I'll challenge you on is – Oklahoma does have the kind of offense that they can rally. If they do get down sure. early, if it's 14 nothing, it's not as if we're, you know, playing buried. A, yeah, it's not yeah, they can rally. I mean, you know, uh, they they did it last year, right? I mean, uh, last year they went the opposite way. Started fast and then failed to to close against Georgia. This is a team that needs to start fast and be able to close. And again, I I, I can't get beyond the uh the dichotomy of Lincoln Riley versus yeah. Nick Saban. I mean, if Oklahoma pulls off this upset and it would be because of the offense. Yeah. I mean, how much money could Lincoln Riley be commanding from the NFL at that point? I don't know if he has an interest, and and that's irrelevant at this point, but he will be the hottest coaching candidate when it comes to the NFL in the entire country. You would talk about two Heisman Trophy winners. Back-to-back. You you would talk about an offense that's averaging over 500 total yards per game and putting up well over close to 50 points per game. Close to nine yards per play, which 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 would be an NCAA record. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. It it really is. I'll just say this quickly before we turn to the other game. If you want a correlation of, of, you know, Alabama and the SEC, how about Alabama Ole Miss? I think that's a pretty good correlation. They go five wide. Uh, They have big wide receivers like Brown. They have uh, Metcalf in that matchup. Lodge. Those are three big wide receivers. They started fast, jumped up 7-0. And in the end, Alabama just ran away with that matchup. Yeah, it was like, what, like 66? 63-7 or something something like that. I think that, now, I don't think the margin of victory will be that far. But Alabama has seen an offense that wants to run up tempo with dynamic wide receivers in, in the SEC. It's a good comparison, too because Ole Miss's big challenge this year was its defense. Yeah. I mean, they just didn't have much defensively. So, yeah, listen, Ole Miss is not Oklahoma. I'm not right. suggesting that. But Ole Miss is a similar type of a program as the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, so we'll see. It's an 8 o'clock kick. It's in the Orange Bowl. Rich and I both like Alabama and the over in that matchup. The 4 o'clock game has number 2, uh, Clemson, and number 3, Notre Dame. Both teams are undefeated. You look at Clemson last this year, this past year, 8 wins down the stretch by 38.2 points per game. Rich, their combined winning percentage of their 13 wins, the highest of all four playoff teams at 581 winning 
winning percentage of their 13 wins. You look at Notre Dame, I mean, this defense will need to step up. No Dexter Lawrence for that Clemson defense. I think that's a huge, huge loss for the Tigers. In the end, I think Clemson wins, but I think Notre Dame, because of the size of those wide receivers, pushes Clemson to the limit. 35-30, to 30, Dabo and the crew move on, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I, I listen, I'm going the other way. I like Clemson, but I'm but I, I I'm closer with your choice here than, than if you liked Oklahoma. I, I think Alabama-Oklahoma is far more likely to be a, a lopsided blowout. Uh, uh, Clemson and Notre Dame are closer in competitive level. I just think Clemson is a cut above in, in every phase. And I like what Brian Kelly has done. He, he's done pretty much a coach of the year type of a job. Uh, switching quarterbacks, Ian Book now. Uh, I'm going to challenge you on Dexter Lawrence, too. You, you don't get better by losing Dexter Lawrence. I agree with that. But if there's a unit in America yes. that can afford to lose a play, and Dexter Lawrence is fantastic, but this is a unit that could afford to lose a Dexter Lawrence Agreed. and still survive. You know, you'll, you'll see today now Christian Wilkins, a defensive tackle, will get more attention. So don't be surprised if you hear names like Niles Pinckney or Albert Huggins, the backups. The rotation is very deep and very seasoned along that defensive line. The ends are outstanding, uh, arguably amongst the best in the country. So my concern for Notre Dame is, is not a lot of people talk about speed. This is a faster Notre Dame team. This is not Manti Teo's team that, that got swamped by Alabama in the national championship game earlier this decade. This is a much better, much faster team. I, I think Notre Dame's going to struggle to score points. I, I think this is where Ian Book gets exposed. Uh, I, I love the wide receivers, right. too, and Dexter Williams has done a great job out of the backfield. But Ian Book, when I watched him, I really dug deep into the type of passer he was this year. In the pocket, outstanding. Outside the pocket, very, very ordinary. And I think Clemson has the pressure on both the first and the second level to flush him from the pocket, force him to make plays on the move, and that's where the turnovers could happen today. It could be. I mean, I, I agree with you. They're going to put pressure on Ian Book to read coverage in this ballgame, and the one thing that Clemson does better than anybody is force three and outs, holding opposing offenses to 28% on third down conversions and only allowing 183 passing yards per game. So we'll see how that matchup plays out. We'll pick it up after Jamie Heath joins us in next segment. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live from Studio 30. We're just getting started. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. into the college football playoff. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Marenzi talking about all the big games today. We're joined now by Sports Brokers Vice President Jamie Heath. He's been with us since the start of the season. He's given us lock-solid picks. Jamie, I mean, a huge day in New York and New Jersey, not just from a viewership perspective, but from a betting perspective with all the top teams in this college football playoff. Yeah, Joe, it doesn't get any bigger than, than, than today as far as uh, college football. This is the, probably the biggest stage uh, for college football of the year with the two playoff games, and plus you got a couple other great bowl games as well. Happy holidays to all of you, and uh, let's, um, let's, go, let's get down to it. <laughs> we know you have a, a huge package on tap. We'll get to that in a little bit, but we're going to talk about these playoff games. Rich and I touched on the big one in the Orange Bowl a little bit later at 8 p.m. tonight, Alabama and Oklahoma. Rich, are Rich and I are both on the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think the physicality is just going to be a little bit too much in this ballgame, but how do you see this play, playing out with Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray? Well, that's a great question, Joe. You know, uh, Oklahoma actually has been to the playoffs as, just as recently as last year, and they gave Georgia pretty much everything they could handle. They were actually winning that game by double digits before Georgia actually came back in that game. So 
they have a taste to play against a team like like Alabama. I'm not saying that Georgia. Well, Georgia was pretty close to Alabama last year. As a matter of fact, they could have they should have beaten Alabama in the in the uh, finals last year. So, obviously, this team's battle tested as well. You know, obviously Nick Saban, you give him time to prepare. He's he's one of the best, if not the best, as far as preparing his team uh, for a game like this. But you know, Lincoln Lincoln Riley's also great at preparing a team. You got the Heisman Trophy winner and the runner-up going against each other, which is a great, great matchup. You know, Tua Tua pretty much had to be saved by uh, Jalen Hurts last time against against Georgia when they were down. I could see more of the same possibly happening in this game. Tua, I don't think, is a hundred percent. Obviously, Kyler Murray and this offense, they're unstoppable. They're playing against the, one of the best front fours, if not the best front, front four in the nation. But to expose Alabama, and I feel where Alabama has a weakness, is against a, a scrambling quarterback that could throw the ball as well as Kyler Mar- Murray. Kyler Murray's going to present problems to this Alabama team. You're going to give me 14, 14 and a half. Actually, the line has dropped now down to 13 and a half. I would love to take the 14-and-a-half with, with Oklahoma in this game. I think they could keep it close. I'm not saying they're winning this game, but I honestly think this is going to be a great, great football game to watch, one of the best games. I, I, I like I the over. I think this score is going to be in the 80s, if not 90s. I, I'm taking Oklahoma with plus the points in this game. Yeah, it's an interesting pick. I, I, I wonder, Jamie, if um, – I know it's hard to get into an athlete's head, but I wonder if, if Kyler Murray has one of those epic performances – and it's going to take that to beat Alabama. I wonder if that uh, changes his opinion about what his future will be athletically. Uh, folks probably know he was a first-round draft choice of the Oakland A's, Major League Baseball, but uh, he's been a heck of a quarterback this year, and that's uh, that's something he needs to consider. Oh, absolutely, Rich. And you know uh, what a what a spot to be in if you're Kyler Murray because he has, um, you know, he's got a choice to play football, baseball. I mean, for a quarterback, I don't see how he could play both sports. He's already obviously signed with the Oakland A's. They gave him a, a large amount of a sum of money, I believe, already. I, I don't. I think it was like six million or whatever it was. But he's in an envious place to be, and obviously, he's going to showcase his talents tonight at the Orange Bowl. I, I mean, I, I don't see how he disappoints. I mean, I know he's going against one of the great, great defenses in the nation, but I honestly think he's going to have himself a great game. Just like the obviously, I heard you guys earlier mention that Alabama's running running game is going to obviously take full force in this game as well, and I, they should be able to run all over Oklahoma. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about when it comes to the total, because uh, mm. Alabama might control the football a little bit and might have some time-consuming drives. That's the only thing that concerns me. But I was watching Alabama obviously a lot earlier in the season, and they were scoring pretty much at will earlier, you know, against subpar defenses and Oklahoma has a subpar defense. So I, I, I see fireworks in this game. I really do. I think this is going to be one of the most entertaining games. Yeah, all, also tonight, an interesting not- yeah, an interesting point, Jamie, because when, when you look at the season in total, the two teams that – or two of the teams that really gave problems to both Oklahoma and Alabama were Army for Oklahoma and the Citadel – for Alabama, and what do those two teams do? They they run and run and run, run and run grind it out. Yeah, exactly. and, and and I think that could be a strategy for both of these teams. I, I think with Kyler Murray's legs uh, and the running of Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks, and then Alabama's desire to play keep away from Kyler Murray, I think you could see a lot of uh, a lot of ground and pound today. Yeah, well, that Rich, that's the only thing that obviously concerns me if you're going to bet the total in this game. But uh, again, you know, Oklahoma. If somehow, some way they could they could get ahead in this game, I think you're going to see Alabama abandoning the run possibly and starting to air it out a little mm-hmm. bit more to the likes of some of their great receivers and that great tight end of theirs. But uh, again, if Al- if Alabama does happen to to get on top, you'll you'll also see Lincoln Riley probably abandon it in the run with Sermon and uh, probably start airing it out as well. So it's an interesting ball game. You know, obviously Alabama, I was on Alabama so much earlier in the season. They were one of the best first-half teams uh, by far. I think they won nine straight or ten straight before actually they played Citadel and lost. You know, they were losing at halftime in that game, or it was tied at halftime, I want to say. But uh, I honestly think that this game's going to be one of the better games, and I think a lot of people aren't giving Oklahoma the credit they deserve. I know their defense really isn't – up to snuff, but their offense—they—they they might have the best offense there is right now in, in college football right now. And Alabama, I think, is going to be really tested tonight. Jamie, the uh, the playoff undercard uh, equally compelling. You've got Notre Dame national program versus Clemson, which has been here 
uh, routinely under Dabo Sweeney. Uh, Clemson, double-digit favorite, but that line has been dropping. What are your thoughts on the uh, Cotton Bowl this afternoon at 4 o'clock Eastern? Well, here's another situation where you're talking about a team in Clemson that has been there, done that. I mean, this team's just – and, again, Dabo Sweeney, you got to give this guy all the credit in the world. This guy could be just as good, if not better, than, than, when, than Nick Saban as far as a coach. This guy's un- underrated. I think he's finally getting his due as far as a coach. He gets his teams ready to play. And they've been annihilating teams the last month or two of the season ever since their game against uh, Boston College where they struggled against the backup quarterback and they, they were lucky to get out of Chestnut Hill with a win. Uh, flip side, uh, Brian Kelly, you know, he, he hasn't really fared too well in, in spots like this. But you're talking about a Notre Dame team. I think this is his best Notre Dame team he's had, even though I know he went, they went to the finals and they, and they got smashed by Alabama. I think this is a different Notre Dame team. I think this is going to be a a little closer than a lot of people think. Obviously, you just mentioned the line did come down. It's gone down from 13.5. Now it's down to 11.5. The thing I like most in this game, I think this game is going to be a low-scoring game. I, I don't see this game hitting... Hitting the 50s. I think this is this game's going to fall in the 40s. I see Clemson coming out with a win, but I see Notre Dame covering in this game. I, I see a score possibly like 27 to 20, maybe 21, 22, 23, something like that. I see Clemson coming out with a win, but I think they're going to have a scare in Ian Book and in, in Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame. They've got the big receivers. I like their running backs as well, Dexter Williams. Uh, you know, that was, I think that was a very big loss, losing that, that, that lineman. And to expose Clemson, you, you do it through the air. I watched Texas A&M almost beat them, and they, and they threw all over them. And Texas A&M is a running team, as everyone knows. But they, they almost beat them through the air in that game. And I think Notre Dame and Ian Book going to probably have to try to do the same to beat them. I think this is going to be another very entertaining game where I like the underdog as well. Jamie, I couldn't agree more, and I think another factor that you have to put in, in, into this matchup is the fact that Trevor Lawrence is still a freshman. Now, we saw uh, Tua come in in the national championship game last year, but did not start the game. It's a lot different when all the lights and TV cameras are on you, even though he's played throughout the year. Now he has to step up on a national stage. Do you factor that into the handicapping perspective in this contest? A 1,000% I do, Joe. You're talking, like you just said, a true freshman going in, biggest stage of his life. This is the biggest game. He's, you know, all the, every, all the spotlight, everybody's going to be just focusing in on him. And, uh, you're, you know, you can see him make a couple of freshman mistakes tonight. I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, the, the running game is strong with ETN, but that's where Notre Dame strength is. Notre Dame strength is their defensive line as well. They could hold him, and they could make me force uh, Lawrence into throwing a couple of, uh, you know, picks. Who knows? I, I couldn't agree with you more, and, and, and I do factor that in as far as my, my analogy and my, and my picking Notre Dame in this spot as well. That's, that's another very good point you just brought up. And, again, Ian Book also, this is his first year playing, but, uh, again, he's battle-tested. You know, if you, look at the two match, if you look at the two teams, Clemson, obviously, they've destroyed a lot of their opponents, but if you look at the teams that they've beaten – very, you know, not not the greatest of opponents if you think about it as far as records and as far as teams. I mean, they dismantled Pitt in, the, in their uh, championship game. They absolutely annihilated Florida State. But if you look at Florida State, look what Florida did to them in the final game. So, and on the flip side, Notre Dame, their schedule wasn't that great. They had a very tough game against USC, but that was US, USC's Super Bowl, so to speak. That was their last game. They weren't going to a bowl. So I, I, I honestly think that this game's going to, play out it's going to be a defensive type game I think Clemson will come out on top because honestly I think Dabo Sweeney is the better coach in this matchup I think he's going to out coach Kelly when it comes down to it at the end but I think this game's a very close game well we know a lot of fans will be watching the college games today and the last weekend of NFL football week number 17 so why don't you tell fans what they what you have in store in terms of this weekend package Absolutely, Joe. Actually, we we have a game today. I mean, last week our bowl of our bowl game of the year, we got very lucky to win it. We had Wake Forest last week. I, I over listened and I heard you guys said that you you love you all were on Wake Forest, and it scared me <laughs> when everyone's on, when every, when everyone's on the same side. It usually is yeah. it usually bodes very badly for us. But uh, we got lucky to win that game today. Today I'm on, a, I'm on a game that obviously not too many people really follow or much about. It's a Sun Belt game against the Mountain West game. We're talking Arkansas State, Nevada. Really love a side in this game. The line's moved uh, three points. 
uh, in the last uh, couple days on this game. I, I have this game, plus I love the NFL tomorrow. When, when you're talking about the final day in the NFL, I have been uh, – this is one of my favorite days of the year as far as betting because there's so many opportunities to really make a lot of money where the odds makers are completely off on some spreads. So give us a call, 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website. Join our website, thesportsbrokers.com. Jamie, the first game uh, today that kicks off is Florida and Michigan, and it's the third time over the last couple of years that both of these teams will be facing each other. I mean, if another Michigan player decides not to play, I mean, they're going to have to use the water boy <laughs> or the manager in this matchup. I mean, prior to all the te- you know players stepping out, I sort of lean towards Michigan, but I like Florida here early on. How do you see this one playing out? You know, it's funny, you, like you mentioned, this is the third time they played it. You'd think these two teams were playing in the same conference. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand why the, the bowl selections gave this matchup it, beyond me. I mean, you would have thought Florida, Central Florida would have been a better matchup than seeing Florida play Michigan. But here we go again. We've got a Florida against Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, his first, his first year, they destroyed Florida in the bowl. I think they beat him in the Citrus Bowl 41-7. to Last year, first game of the season, they beat him 33-17. to But that game was a lot closer than the score uh, represented. Michigan got absolutely humiliated by, by Ohio State. They gave up 62 points. The thing that really uh, intrigues me about this game, the total in this game, it's 51. You're talking about a team in, in Michigan that only gave up 17 points a game and a team in Florida that only gave up 20 points a game. Why is this total 51? This total looks too good to be true. I mean, when I, when I first saw this, this uh, total, I was like, wow, I've got to take the under. This total is going to drop to 45. It's it stated 51. I, I mean, this scares me. I honestly think maybe that I'm just wrong and that this is a trap and everyone's trying to trap me into this game and this game's going to go over. As far as the side's concerned, Jim Harbaugh, there's been a lot of discussion. He's going to go to the NFL. There's a lot of you know teams like the, maybe the Cleveland Browns and New York Jets that are coveting him. I honestly think that he's going to stay. As far as Florida Gators are concerned, this is like a triple revenge game for them because Michigan has owned this team. The line is six. I honestly, I honestly like the dog in this spot, and I wouldn't be surprised if Florida wins this game. This is the first matchup between SEC and Big Ten. There's, there's two more games. I think the SEC is a better conference. I know this is Michigan's – I mean, this is the Big Ten's so-called best team, if not second-best team in the Big Ten. I just like Florida in this spot. I think they're, they're going to be too fast for Michigan. I, I like Florida not only to cover this spot, but actually to win the game outright. Mm, that would be bad news for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, he he needs this yeah. bowl victory in a, in, a, in a bad way, especially after the South Carolina game uh, last year. Jamie, uh, we got a couple of minutes. Uh, we also have a belt okay. bowl coming up at 12 o'clock. Uh, Virginia, South Carolina, two coaches uh, that have done good jobs this year, two programs that would really like to uh, pick up a bowl victory. What are your thoughts on the uh, 12 o'clock belt bowl today? Well, Rich, I'll tell you, it's funny. This is a, this is a story of two, two different teams as far as their seasons are concerned. It seems like Virginia, like midway through the season, was a juggernaut. They couldn't lose to anybody. And on the flip side, South Carolina, when they, went and when they, when they played Georgia and they lost to Georgia, it seems like that, was like that gave them a hangover for like a month straight, and they really weren't performing well. They really looked lackluster against Kentucky. They were playing bad. But as the season wore on, South Carolina actually started to play much better, I thought, and Virginia was the team that started to wear down. They lost a, a really bad game at home against Pittsburgh. They, they uh, lost to Virginia Tech, I think, their last game of the season. So I think South Carolina is the hotter team coming into this game. I know they lost to Clemson, but they actually gave Clemson all they can handle in the first half in, the, in their state rivalry. I'm on Will Muschamp in this game in, in South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to win this game. I think this game could actually be a little high scoring, although Virginia, if they get taken out of their comfort zone, and you know they love to run the football, South Carolina gets ahead on them. They're going to have to start airing it out. And I don't like their quarterback throwing the football. They're a running-type team. But I still think South Carolina is a play in this game. Jamie, great insight and information. Before you go, tell, tell fans the number and package again. Again, Joe, yes. Today... I'm not saying this is our bowl game of the year because last week was our bowl game of the year, but we do love this matchup. We love this matchup, Arkansas State, Nevada. Also, we have a big, big NFL day tomorrow ahead. Give us a call, 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website. Join our website, thesportsbrokers.com. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Have a happy new year, and uh, hopefully we talk again.
Have Happy a great New Year. weekend. Yeah, enjoy the games today. It should be uh, it should be very interesting to see which team uh, wins. I mean, does it get better than this? I mean, a Saturday no. in between the holidays, coming off Christmas, looking forward to New Year's. Hot toddies, hot toddies, <laughs> uh, hot toddies all around hot today. Hot toddies all around. <laughs> yeah. I, you know. I, I will say that Arkansas State and Nevada that that game is under the radar. It's a but good game. It's 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 good. It wets the palate a little bit. It I does. think it'll be a better game actually than Florida Michigan. I just see one yeah. of those teams running yeah. away now. Now, I don't. We're not going to get into it in this segment, but I mean, you're right. Jim Harbaugh needs to win that ball game. We'll see because I mean, in less than two hours now, if this team doesn't start fast, going to put a lot of pressure on Shea Patterson to win this game, especially yeah. if they can't run the football. Well, I, I, I think. Um it's reminiscent. I know we got to go to the break, but it's a little reminiscent of Gus Malzahn in yeah. Auburn. Gus needed that win. Jim needs this win coming off that Ohio State game and the bowl debacle last year against South Carolina. But to your point, he's losing players by the day. They're going to have the fourth string uh, defensive tackle playing in that matchup against P. Ryan and, uh, and Scarlett. And so, Florida wants it. Yeah, yeah. Florida wants and it. Dan Mullen will have the troops up. So that is a 12 o'clock kick. We'll pick that game up along with our predictions for Clemson, Notre Dame, Jolisi and Ritz Sermonello live from Studio 34. Keep it where it is. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back on college football today, hour one. College playoff uh, begins today at four and eight o'clock. We also have bowl games at twelve o'clock. But before we get there, are you at the game today, or you just have a gut feeling? No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to mybookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY and mybookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. They're basically giving you money. I love that. I mean, you put in 500 bucks, they're going to give you an extra $500 in your account. That sounds like a win to me. And you'll have an opportunity with the, uh, with a high-scoring game. So if Al- uh, Alabama-Oklahoma is as high-scoring and you have a lot of lead changes, you can make some money uh, in each game. and every possession. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I love yeah, that. Yeah, Sean's making money down Someone's there in the control in. room. Yeah, so. It's like a cash uh, register down there. It, it's great. Better I, yet, better yet, not only do you, do you go to mybookie.ag, listen to our picks. That 500 becomes 1,000. We'll turn that into 2,000. Yes, we. I, I have to go back. I started out a little slow. I did have Baylor as one of them. I lost Miami. I was terrible. By the way, I don't will I jinx on. myself if I said I'm seven and one so far on best? Bets. Are you really seven and one, four and zero oh last week? With uh, which, mean, which means I'm going to be a disaster this stay week. Away, stay away. <laughs> we'll see. Well, before, four and zero oh last week. Before, Thank you, Syracuse. Before we get back to the uh, college football, uh, the twelve o'clock games, we'll talk about that Clemson Notre yeah. Dame matchup. I like Notre Dame. I think they cover this number. I don't think they win the matchup. I think it'll be a five point game. The one mo I think that Notre Dame has over Clemson is the size of Alize Mack, of Chase Claypool, of Miles Boykin. Each and every one of those players is six five, six six respectively. Combined Combined, all 30 players, 136 receptions, 15 receiving touchdowns. They can be used in red zone opportunities for jump balls, and I think that's where you can get some points for Notre Dame and Ian Book. That being said, Clemson makes enough plays. They win a high-scoring game, 35-30 to 30 over the Fighting Irish in this matchup. What's the under-over? 
It's uh, 53 and a half. Well, that would go, that would go way over. Okay. Yeah, 50. Yeah. I, I, I have to double check it. I think it might be down okay. to 53 and a half. I it's mean, in the again, 50s, so you're saying in the 60s. Yeah, uh, I mean, Oklahoma's, uh, set, it opened at 80 and a half. It's down to 78, 78 when I yeah. left the uh, the office this morning. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I listen, I, I like Clemson. I, I, I would not call it one of my best bets of the day. I'm wary of Notre Dame and their yeah. defensive talent. Um you and Jamie talked a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. I, I have few worries about Trevor Lawrence in this game. I, I, I think he's no longer a true freshman, fully mature. What you're going to see on display is the best quarterback that Notre Dame has faced this year. Uh, keep in mind that the Notre Dame defense has faced just two offenses ranked in the top 60 yeah. nationally. So, And did a great job against Syracuse being one of them. It did a phenomenal job um, over in Yankee Stadium. That was Yankee Stadium, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, they beat them, what, 30? Yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a demolition. But they have not faced the caliber of talent that they'll see in Clemson. Uh, I, I really dug deep over the last couple of weeks. Trevor Lawrence, listen to this. In terms of release, number two amongst Power 5 quarterbacks, fastest release, just over two seconds for him to get the ball out of his hands. So in terms of pressure, less to worry about. Uh, Clemson, number two nationally in RPO running game, second behind Wake Forest. Nobody does it better than Clemson in terms of the RPO. Travis Etienne averaging 7.7 yards per carry in run-pass option plays. So this is a unique animal for the Notre Dame defense. I love their defense. Jerry Tillery, Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil, Julian Love. They're loaded. But I think they struggle here. Now, I think the game's going to be around 10, 11 points. I think it's going to be around the spread. You think, it's be you close. think it'll be right there? I think it's going to be very close. That's why I'm wary of Notre Dame. But I'm going to take Clemson and lay the points. And a name that we haven't really talked about all season long is Hunter Renfro. He just seems to step up in these type of ball games he has in the national championship yeah. game. Back-to-back years, he's more of a possession type of receiver. Now that T. Higgins has really led that team in receptions, he has the speed to take the top over Notre Dame secondary. So... But look for Hunter Renfro. I think he makes plays. He'll he'll be the bailout for Trevor Lawrence on a multitude of third downs, and he's a player you have to keep an eye out on uh, in terms of extending plays and ex- extending drives for that offense. So I agree with you. I think that's why I lean to Clemson ultimately winning this yeah. game, but I think it's close. I think it's close, and we'll see. I mean, ultimately, whichever team s- uh, scores first – will probably be in this ballgame. If Notre Dame scores first, they could dictate tempo and put the pressure on Clemson in that matchup. And speaking of pressure, I'll leave you with this final thought. No team had a higher percentage. I mentioned it last week. No team in the country. 130 teams. Clemson led the country. Highest percentage of defensive pressures. Almost 50% of opposing offenses plays resulted in a pressure on the quarterback and again Ian Book under pressure Ian Book outside the pocket is a very ordinary passer I think that's what we'll see Brent Venables that defensive staff I think will do a good job of flushing Ian Book and when he's on the move it neutralizes those really good big receivers that you mentioned and I'll just leave with this in terms of the top four teams for the college football playoff they were a combined 23 and one on the road this year the one team that lost was ultimately Oklahoma but you look at Clemson margin of victories on the road or on a neutral field site. 6-0 by 31.8 points per game. Notre Dame was 6-0 by 20.5 points per game. So Clemson, the superior team and should be instilled as a 12-point favorite in this matchup. That line's coming down, isn't it? it is. I've, I've seen I that coming down a little bit. Because of Dexter Lawrence now. Because of Dexter Lawrence. And, and that, that much type. of an effect. I it's think, interesting. I, you have to keep in mind as well, the public loves to bet Notre Dame too. That's another yeah. thing. That's why I think yeah, it's that's a true. huge day. Yeah. It, it, you know, the casual better that doesn't. Penn State Notre Dame in the East Coast, especially here in New Jersey, yeah. New York, you're getting that, ca- fair point. That, that casual fan that really doesn't follow college football and says, hey, Clemson has a main defender out. And yeah. let's, let's pound Notre Dame in this matchup. I think a lot of people also are betting their heart. I, yeah. I think we all want happen. to see sure. a close game. I mean, the last thing anyone wants to see today is, a blowout. is two blowouts. Yeah. I mean, if we have two blowouts and it looks like a fait accompli that it's going to be Alabama and Clemson for what? Is, what is this, like the 19th time yeah. we've seen them in the last decade yeah. uh, playing for a national or playing in the playoffs. I, I think people want to see a close game. And I think if you want to see a close game, I believe the more likely scenario is the Cotton Bowl instead of the Orange And Bowl. that's what drew people in last year for that national championship game. The whole talk was, oh, two SEC teams, nobody's going to watch, and we know 30 million people tuned in. But how many people in the East Coast were drawn in by that Rose Bowl last year, double overtime, that didn't know Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield, yeah. that didn't know Sony Michelle in Georgia. So they were drawn into that national championship game. So if you have great games to Today, Great point. The college football, I want to say casual NFL guy, 
You're being drawn in now for national championship uh, Monday. Fantastic point. Uh, because a lot of NFL fans only become fans of college players uh, when they're ready for the draft. Right. That's when they start to say, oh, this kid's really good. Didn't Where pay did attention to from? him. Where'd he come from? <laughs> you know, but, but if, if Kyler Murray is epically good, there are going to be fans who didn't pay a lot of attention to him this year, non-college fans that all of a sudden are like, I got to watch a Monday night now. Yeah. So that's an excellent point. This could be the runway that leads a lot of fans into the national championship game, whoever that uh, th- those teams may be. Starts at 4 o'clock, no- Notre Dame and Clemson, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, they're the first to kick it off today. Well, The big game, actually, at 12 o'clock, though, is the Big Ten SEC matchup that we touched on with Jamie. It's Jim Harbaugh on Michigan, 10-2 and overall, looking to step up and get this victory over a team that they won over the past couple of years. Decimated. Rashawn Gary out. Devin Bush out. Karan Higdon out. I mean, any more people out, it's going to be a, a, a mesh yeah. for the most part for Jim Harbaugh and the crew. I liked Michigan early on, but I still now, with the with the losses of those defensive players, this is a defense that was only given up around 117 rushing yards per game. Give me Florida because of the mobility of Felipe Franks on the perimeter. I think they get a gutty four-point win over Michigan in this matchup. And I agree with Jamie. Could be high scoring in this matchup. In light of what's happened over the past couple of weeks, I can't argue with you. I'll stick with Michigan, but what looked like it was going to be one of my best bets when, when the bowl matchups first came out, I loved Michigan. But as we've seen this attrition take place, not only are we losing talented bodies, Karan Higdon, one of the Big Ten's best backs this year, uh, Devin Bush, one of the country's best defensive players this year. Now I'm starting to wonder, not only do the backups have to step up, but I'm wondering about the mindset of the Michigan team. I mean, some of these players now that are facing Florida, I think some of the air has to come out of the program when you've seen three, four players now electing not to play in this game. That's a concern of mine. I will stick with Michigan. Uh, A couple of things. Felipe Franks has exceeded my expectations this year, actually has played pretty well. But I think facing the Michigan defense and Don Brown, Don Brown will have a lot to prove. Last time we saw his defense, they were skunked by Ohio State. 62 points. It was a complete embarrassment by that defense. So I think pride will be at stake. I I, I think it's a lower scoring game. Uh, I'm going to go with Shea Patterson over Felipe Franks. Uh, they have the luxury of a veteran backup behind Higdon and Chris Evans, uh, a couple of good wide receivers, and a name to remember for next year, Josh Uche, who, you know, Josh Uche DeLoops, I think is what I'm going to call him going forward. <laughs> but Josh Uche DeLoops. <laughs> Josh Uche DeLoops, outside linebacker. You know, Michigan has always had those pressure, fast, yes. closing outside linebackers. Uche could be one of those players. And now that you have some attrition on defense, watch him. Watch the secondary of Michigan. I think low scoring. I'll say Michigan by seven. You talk about Dexter Lawrence affecting the line. Why isn't the line moving in this game? Because I think I don't think there's a lot of interest in this yeah. game. From a maybe, maybe not pers- enough money. perspective. I mean, Chase Winovich is playing in this matchup. He's holding off surgery until after this wow, ball game. That says so, a lot. I mean, now here's one guy that's stepping up. He's is playing. it elective surgery, like a nose job? I mean, uh, what, I what is he holding? Sh- I think it's oh, okay. like a cleaning out in terms of the shoulder. So, right. uh, but he's still playing in this matchup. So, yeah. this is a defense. How much do these losses affect the game plan, Rich? This is a Florida offense that's averaging 209 rushing yards per game. They're passing for 217 through the air. They want to pound the rock with P. Ryan and, and Scarlett yeah. in this matchup. Now, without Gary and Devin Bush and a banged-up Chase Winovich, they could probably do that. So it not only affects the mindset, it also affects the game plan about yeah. how these coaches you know, dictate tempo or, more importantly, break down their opponent. Because look at what happened yesterday with West Virginia and Jake, uh, Jack Allison. Totally different I mean, team. Totally different team. Yeah. It was an offense that was averaging 317 passing yards per game. They were one-dimensional in the second half of that matchup. Well, and look at the impact and how it trickled down. David Sills, who was one of the best yeah. college-wide receivers over the last two or three years, didn't really get going until the fourth quarter because Jack Allison, young quarterback, Allison really hasn't played since he was in high school. He had 75 yards all year. Yeah. 75 yards. Yeah, and he redshirted one year at Miami. So you got to go back to his high school days. So the entire tenor of that game, the entire game plan changes. So this will be a fascinating matchup. I'm, I'm most interested in the coaches because for Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen exceeded expectations coming off of what happened with Jim McElwain last yeah. year in Gainesville. Uh, he could win 10 games. And 10 games huge. this year, 
What did Dino Baber say yesterday after Syracuse won? He said, uh, nine wins to ten wins feels like we doubled our win total. Sure. That's what it feels like. Going from not, ten wins is still a big deal. I mean, it still matters to coaches and players. So for Florida and Dan Mullen, a big deal. And again, I'll stress the point. For Jim Harbaugh, such a lightning, for, a lightning rod for attention, lightning rod for criticism. Uh, tanked at the end of the year against Ohio State. Rumors possibly of NFL teams making a run. He needs to win this bowl game. He has the better team, and he's favored. He has to win this Peach Bowl. And here's another factor, not just from 9 to 10, but for the recruiting factor. We saw Miami get blown out by Wisconsin. We saw USF get blown out by Marshall. Uh, UCF plays LSU if they lose that ball game. Florida State didn't make it to a bowl. So now you have a jump up on everybody. FIU won, but you should be able to recruit better than FIU with kids within the state. Now you're back to be in Florida Gator football. You win this matchup, you have a lot to hang your hat on for 2019 if you're Dan no question. in terms of optimism. No, and and again, we we talk a lot. Uh, we've done this for years. We'll do it for many more years to come. And, and the bowl season means different things for different teams uh i've always looked at it especially when you have a, a team of a lot of underclassmen a lot of young players florida does uh this always could be the catapult to next season yeah. so what happens in december and early january could very well be you know the propulsion that you need for next season whether that's polls or recruiting as you say or the overall climate and culture of a program heading into next season for florida uh, getting a victory in the Peach Bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl game, would be enormous for what Dan Mullen is you're doing. You're on Michigan? You're on uh, Yeah, I, I'm very tepid, though. I, I'll take Michigan. It's far from a best bet. Uh, if if it winds up being Florida, in light of what we've seen in terms of player attrition, it would not shock me yeah, at I'm this gonna, point. I'm going to take Florida. Not one of my best picks uh, for 12 o'clock. One of my best picks for 12 o'clock is this matchup, South Carolina and Virginia. You look at South Carolina, no starting wide receiver, Debo Samuel. He's out for this matchup, I think that will affect the passing attack with Jake Bentley. This is an offense in South Carolina that's averaging 277 passing yards per game, but it goes right into the strength of Virginia's defense that's only allowing 188 passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. They have a mobile quarterback in Bryce Perkins. I love Bronco Mendenhall with extra weeks of preparation. I know that Muschump has coached the teams up in bowl games, but I'm hanging my hat on Virginia. I was high on them at the start of the year. They failed down the stretch, but I think the extra weeks off, they'll be rejuvenated. Outright win over the Gamecocks in this bowl game. If we could somehow manufacture Bronco Mendenhall, one of Joe's favorite coaches. I do. In the, the Sun guy. Bowl. Oh. Bronco in the Sun Bowl. Let's take a moment and oh. just soak that in. How but excited would you be? He's a hard-nosed coach. Uh, he is. He's good. He reminds, coaches, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Kyle Whittingham. Yes. Another coach who spent a lot of years, oh, okay. or has spent a lot of years right. in the and state of Utah. And they faced each other. And they faced yeah. each other when Bronco was at BYU. Right. Very similar coaches. You know, the, when Bronco Mendenhall got there, he immediately took a look at the discipline of the Virginia team. Uh, took a look at the strength and training. He's building them from the bottom up. And, you know, Virginia is a program that's located. We talked about North Carolina a couple of weeks ago with Mac Brown. That area of the country is, has a ton of talent, whether you're talking about the D.C. area and DeMatha, uh, down the coast, Virginia, Carolinas. Little by little, Bronco Mendenhall can get there. The one thing he's going to need to get over the hump and really be a contender in the ACC is a better offense. And, and that's what he struggled with at the end at BYU. His offenses were very let, less miles-ish. Yes. You know, they're very predictable, very conservative, no, you know, no great quarterbacks. That he's going to need. He's got an exciting quarterback now in Bryce Perkins. I'm on South Carolina. For me, this guy, and it's going to be a theme for me today. I like a lot of favorites, and I like a lot of SEC teams. And I like South Carolina. Don't love them because Virginia is a gutty team. You mentioned the secondary. Outstanding secondary. Bryce Hall, one of the better corners in the country. Charles Snowden, 6'7", outside linebacker, coming off the edge. Could really affect the field of vision of Jake Bentley. I'd like South Carolina more if they had Debo Samuel. They don't, so look for Brian Edwards to challenge yeah, that secondary. Keep it out for Reed, the wide receiver for Virginia. He's a playmaker as well, and they're positive in turnover margin. You look at South Carolina, negative heading into this matchup. Rich likes South Carolina. I'm on Virginia. When we come back, we'll be talking about Arkansas State and Nevada. Keep it where it is.